we're in it. Gannon, we're in it. We're in it. We are in it. The past and the future converge. Whoosh. One, a threaded fabric tying into each other. Two, a memory congealing into a vision of tomorrow. Three, a, a sky expanding, nature singing the animals, a breeze blowing through grass. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten arcs. Ten is what arcs. we've had of Neoscum so far, Ganon. That is correct. We have ten arcs. Ten arcs. We have had this fucking long ass podcast that we've been recording for fucking like three years or some shit. Like, you know, we're old know, now. Man. We're all fucking old now. Fucking um, old shit. We've been doing this forever, and it's like, pff, we're. How do I get into this? Says the man on the street. Okay, I'm you got wondering. this nice show. How do I get into it? I can't get into it. I don't want to listen to those early episodes. I don't want to learn how Shadowrun works. Just give me the fun stuff, says the man. And to which we say. I say, all right, all right, buddy. Like, put your mask on, dude. Like, please. Come, come on, yeah, put man. your mask down. Off. Stop kissing You're my neck. Close. Yeah. <laughs> stroking my chest. Easy. Easy. Well, we finally, Gannon, we, we finally did it. We have bounced around with ideas like this for such a long time, but it, it was such an endeavor. But during Neoscom's break, we were able to put in the energy and the time to pull this off. We had already separated the episodes into arcs before, and now we have recorded, we have written and recorded on Gannon's end and and edited and done all this other work with the, with the whole group, and uh, especially Eleni as well, who, who can't be here today. Shout uh, out. Shout, Shout out, out to Lenny. And have recaps for every single arc. These recaps are going to be at the beginning of the first episode of each of these new arcs. So if you tell your friends, you're like, oh my God, you just just start at Byzantine's Wings. Start at the third arc or whatever. They can do that and they will be totally caught up. But on top of it, we wanted to do this. We wanted to put together all 10 of these into one episode. So for anybody a listener who hasn't heard the show in half a year and just wants to kind of uh, remember everything that happened or for somebody new who i guess doesn't mind hearing 45 plus minutes of plot <laughs> or whatever just like <laughs> told to them yeah just <laughs> it's here yeah well i do have a beautiful voice you know you do. um i have a beautiful wonderful voice that's so nice to listen to and such charming funny sensibilities Charming, funny sensibilities, brilliant genius, sort of like a poet philosopher of the streets um, mm-hmm. kind of sensibility. Uh, but anyway, but that's, we have these 10 things. So now, you know, you get the you can get the whole shebang, the whole summarize. This is what the fucking guys get. They came here. They barfed there. They shit their pants. They fell into a grenade and boom, boom, boom. Now they're fucking wherever. You know, now you got that. That's what this is. And it's here, and and guess what? If you're listening to this right as it drops, there's a fresh new arc starting right after this. So everybody, wherever you are in time beyond this moment here, uh, you can listen to this and be ready for that very next episode when you are. Thanks for checking it out, guys. We hope hope you enjoy it. Hope you feel refreshed and ready. Yeah, love it. Smile a little wink to you. Um, enjoy the you, podcast, and please. Pay, buy, give us money. Please. Um, we're, we, wink. We're joke. really hard. <laughs> Not a joke. We're joke. It is, uh, we work so it is, hard. Patreon.com slash Neoscum. But in exchange, you get a whole bunch of shit there as well. Lots of cool stuff. And that's a fact. Anyway, guys, thank you so much. Hope you enjoy this. 
All right. Uh, we wish you um, many happy travails. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. God bless us all. <laughs> <laughs> All right. (laughs) Jesus. All right, I'll stop it. (laughs) Arc 1. New Scum. Meet the Neo Scum. You got the gregarious trucker Dak Rambo. You got the wizard-robed squirt purpler, a.k.a. tech wizard. You got the mysterious cyber-eyed hacker Zenith. And you got the many-pocketed UK runaway pox. You met him. And boom! They arrive on the Indianapolis shadowrunning scene like a bomb. After only three days, the crew has gunned down a gang of technocrusts, busted up an underground fighting ring, and blasted their way through a surprise attack at a Death Racer's mansion. And they've made a lot of enemies, such as Pox's corporate overlord father, the literate pit fighter Alan Thatcher, and a trucker named Beans. But it's not all thunderclouds. They've even made an unsteady partnership with Indianapolis crime boss Big, don't call him Lil Marco, Marco. But more importantly than these enemies and these frenemies, they've also made great friends along the way. With each other! Wow! They're a real found family! I can't fucking believe it! Will their unique brand of chaos ride on? Yeah, probably. There's like 60 fucking episodes at this point. You do the math. Strap those headphones on, turn that podcast up loud, and grab that police officer's service weapon. It's Neo Scum, baby! Feel the heat! Arc 2. Into the Outs. The Neo-Scum have put pedal to the metal, burning rubber, ripping out of Indianapolis like a bat out of hell. We watch as they navigate through shootouts in a Death Racer's mansion, blast through robo-bison tete-a-tetes, and donate bullets to one particularly foul corn beast. The road has had its disappointments that have hung heavy. Pox was accosted by goons sent by her father's company to bring her back to England. Tech Wizard thought he'd be able to make his break with a guest appearance from a celeb on the local access TV show, only to find the celeb was just an anti-wizard xenophobe. Dak forgot he was scheduled for a death race, and now his former partner and employer, Big Marco, wants revenge. Big Marco's put together a cadre of hired pit fighters who are now en route to rip our heroes a new scum. In times like these, it's best to hit the road. With Chicago in the rear view, the crew have a new destination in their sights. Los Angeles. A former flame of Dax has contracted them to transport a mysterious steel pod to Lipstick City with strict instructions. Do not open or tamper with what's inside. Hey, let's not forget, Dax's sister's Kid Max is now sitting shotgun after a brief kidnapping detour. Hello, Max. Great to see you there, little buddy. Worthy of note also... Tech Wizard's grandma has asked the crew to kill a man named Faklin Moros. And with that, the objectives are clear. Get to L.A. with the pod, unopened. Kill Faglin Moros, whoever that is. Outrun Big Marco and Pox's father in their hot pursuit. Vroom, vroom, the wheels of Neoscum mark the asphalt with the pattern of its treads. The horizon opens wider than ever. What is to become of this crew in their cross-country expedition? See you in L.A., baby. Arc 3, by Xanadu's Wings. Oh boy. Long arc. The Neoscum have crossed the threshold. We start on Xanadu, blasting through the Ghost Highway, en route to Los Angeles. In the back... 
They got the mysterious pod, and in the front, of course, we got Dak. We got Tech, Pox, and Z. Absolutely vibing and loving being on the early stages of a country-sweeping road trip. Also in Xanadu's cabin is Max, Dak's, quote, sister's kid, unquote. Max is a soft sweetie, a youthful naive to the carnage of the world. While rocking down the highway, the crew rumbles with a variety of biker nasties, the ghost riders, devil girls, and hot doggers. The neo-scum link up with Dak's adopted Sasquatch brother Ron and have a great time boogieing down the road with him until wham, a surprise attack. The crew find themselves in the midst of mercenaries set on bringing Pox back to her father and killing everyone else. The neo-scum escape, but only by the skin of their teeth. Max loses an arm and a leg to a grenade, and Ron disappears into the flames of an exploding drug lab. This is a no-sisters-kid-left-behind style unit, and the crew jet to a street doctor to get Max stitched up stat. Luckily, Max is brought back to health, but the crew can only afford a prosthesis for his leg. So Max is temporarily a one-armed sister's kid. However, the crew learn that Max has powers that extend beyond his corporeal form. Max is a technomancer and is able to use his mind to access the Matrix. And that's not all. Leaving the hospital, the doctor informs the crew that the pod they carry is likely used to transport clone parts and memories. This is an odious message as Z feels a strange kinship to the pod, as though something within it can connect him to his forgotten traumatic childhood. Back on the road, the crew manage to shake the heat and spend a momentous night in a trucker bar. Tech falls in love with a monkey woman named Lala and spends the night with her. Pox gets a call from her sister, who tells Pox that she has escaped from her father, and then ends the call almost immediately afterwards. Now the Neoscum are off to Los Angeles again, with plans to pass through the hulking anarchic Denver Cube. Tech Wizard got a tip from Lala that he ought to check out the WAB, a radical pro-wizard org that controls much of Denver. Plus... TW's got a tip that Denver might be where he can find Fagelin Moros, the man responsible for the death of his parents. But nothing good lasts. After an altercation at a Colorado traffic stop, the crew are now on the run from Lone Star Cops, warring with the wizards of the cube. Xanadu's wheels are now pointed towards the wreckage surrounding the Denver cube, blasting hard, seeking the Wob. Will Tech get a lead on Fagelin Moros from the Wob? Can Z get to the bottom of who he truly is? Will Dak pony up the scratch to buy Max a new arm? Can Pock stay out of her father's clutches and get more info on her escaped sister's whereabouts? Will the crew make it to Los Angeles with Pot in tow? Buddy, I ain't got the answers. I barely know what's going to happen on the next episode of this fucking show. All right, stay tuned. da 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 Arc 4 The Bastard's Labyrinth The Neo Scum Enter the Belly of the Beast. Neo Scum take a brief sojourn from their trip to Los Angeles, gunning for the Denver Cube a collection of skyscrapers built so closely together that light cannot enter its fractious depths. Most importantly, the Cube is home to a radically pro-wizard organization, the Wizard Adept Brotherhood, a.k.a. the Wob. 
This organization stands in defiance of the anti-magic sentiments of the former USA and has been embroiled in decades-long conflict with the militarized police that serve the corporate hegemony. Radical wizardry isn't something Tech Wizard has ever encountered before, and he wants to know more. He also hopes the Wob can point him to Faglin Moros, the man who killed his parents, rumored now to live in the area. And so, T.W., Dak, Pox, Z, and the one-armed, brain-internet-wielding sister's kid Max head into the cube. The city is rich with the chaotic magic that binds everything together in a loose hold. Even the local Matrix network is controlled by an organization of technomancers. And it turns out these technomancers are on the lookout for new recruits. Z is contacted by a technomancer and offered valuable information in exchange for Max. Z complies and takes Max to Denver Center. Max, exhausted from the road and eager to learn more about his innate magic, willingly joins the technomancers. And Z receives his reward. Information. The following information. Z was raised in a facility fronted as CNC Logistics, but run by a core known as Legacy of Adam. They build people like Z for various corporations. As Z meets with the Technomancers, the rest of the crew adventure around the city. TW meets a dragon-worshipping priest who tells him that his robes are a magical foci. Dak gets trashed and Pox searches for treasure in the bellies of live rats. The Neoscum spend their night in a small hotel. The next day, they're met by a member of the Wob. Though she's unimpressed with Tech's past as an anti-wizard propagandist, she appreciates his attempt to undo the harm he has caused. She tells him that Faglin is mayor of Colorado Springs and that if the Neoscum want to meet the Wob down there, they'll have some fun. This conversation with the Wob is interrupted by a phone call. It's Pox's father, Darius Pender. Turns out that call she received from her sister, it was him. And now they had the scum tracked. What's more, Darius has just put a contract out on their heads. Kill the scum and return Oracle Pox Pender to the UK. So now the scum are on the run. As they flee from Denver, they encounter several Shadowrunners, including the Rat Bastard. Dak kills the Rat Bastard, steals his Chris, which, believe me, that's going to be important much later. One Shadowrunner known as Barfed Vada and hired by Max, has given the scum a hand and protects the crew as they leap across the cube's rooftops back to Xanadu. Though the crew make it back to their trusty truck, Tech Wizard takes a serious bullet and is now majorly out of it with his arm in a sling. The Neoscum are in their element now, inside Xanadu and on the run. Their destination? Still Los Angeles, with Mystery Pod in tow. Their new route? Passage through the backroads of the Rockies. Arc 5, Blood Toll. The Neoscum, who are still, by the way, on their way to L.A. to drop off a mysterious silver pod, have taken a detour through the Rockies to shake the pursuit of Pox's father, Darius Pender, head of Forget. The crew stop at a motel. Staying at this motel are a sweet lesbian couple that also run big game hunts for adventure seekers who have disposable income. With the couple is one such adventure seeker, a CFO named Scott, who has a very dull face but is somehow rather handsome. Scott is also extremely horny. Basically, everything makes this disgusting pervert want to get his nut on. Everything. Anyway, this couple finds out about Neoscum and attempt to kill them. Neoscum killed them and kidnapped Scott. So, Neoscum have kidnapped Scott. At this point, they meet the mysterious forest hermit Blister. Out of the kindness in her cranky heart, she takes the crew to her home deep in the forest. While wandering through the forest, Z sees a vision of his past. He 
sees himself as a child soldier in active combat. And even though he is shaken by this vision, the crew continue on to Blister's cabin. Once they arrive, Tech Wizard gets healed up and everyone gets to rest. But unknown to the scum, Blister is out stealing most of Xanadu's gasoline, drinking it, and sharing it with her wyvern friends. So now the crew are back on the road and need gas bad. On the way to the gas station, Bailey, they attempt to shake some Nguyen out of Scott. Scott isn't really able to help a ton, as big transfers raise eyebrows. Xanadu gets into a crash, and Scott smashes his penis. Low on gas, the Neoscum arrive in a small rocky mountain town ready to refuel. Rumor has it, this town is home to a sect of dragon worshippers who tend to be suspicious of outsiders. These rumors are correct. A simple misunderstanding leads to an altercation. Bombs are planted and gunfires exchanged between Neoscum and the gas station attendants. Scott takes one of the dumb and passes out. TW sees all the chaos around him and blasts out a mass confusion spell in an attempt to control the situation. So now everyone but TW is a blathering mess garbling away on the concrete. Tech takes everyone into Xanadu, gets behind the wheel, and drives into the dark, rough roads of the Rocky Mountains. Arc 6, The Burning Way. After a shootout at a gas station, the Neoscum have made enemies of the dragon-worshipping inhabitants of the Rocky Mountains. Tech Wizard drives Xanadu with the rest of the scum coming too after getting hit by Tech's own mass confusion spell. It doesn't take much time before the scum get their wits back about them, and lucky for them, they regain consciousness before another attack. This time, from war-painted, fire-wielding mountain warriors, Xanadu makes it out unscathed while these two are struck down by Pox. The crew plan a trek through the mountains to Aspen, where Dak knows a guy who will let them crash for a night. On the way through the winding road, they run into an ambush. The scum once again clean house, escaping, but leaving a forest fire in their wake. The crew finally make it to Aspen, where they beeline it to the home of Dak's old beau, Howie. Dak is excited to see his old friend, a man whose penis he once 69 on a bathroom floor. Unfortunately, when they get to the house, he isn't there. What is there is a cute robo-doggy with a human brain. This dog's name is Good Boy. And Good Boy is sure how he's responsible for an explosion that killed his family and forced him into the body of a dog. So now, Good Boy's here for revenge. The crew's like, uh, okay. But still embark on a fun little gumshoe sleuthing to figure out the mystery. Where is Howie? Who killed the Good Boy's family? The answer to where is Howie is buried in his own backyard. Looks like he got into some heavy shadow running and then got whacked when he tried to get out. The answer to question number two, who killed Howie's family? The answer to that, a keen-eared listener who remembers a one-off joke from episode eight might be able to piece that one together. Anyway, happy to have solved the mystery but still unclear of who is deserving of his vengeance, good boy leaves, joined by Scott, who promises still to send the crew money one of these days. Anyway, the crew gets a good night's rest after the wild adventures in the Rockies. We touch base with the Devil Girls. A small group of them kidnapped pit fighter Alan Thatcher. Alan is the last of the bounty hunters hired to take out the Neoscum for missing that death race all those many days ago. And now, the Devil Girls have forced Alan to track the Neoscum through the Matrix. Though Alan attempts to bust Z's shit with a high-tech deck, it's a bust and the scum go dark. Better luck next time, Devil Girls. The crew wake up, make a pancake dinner, set explosives to destroy Howie's Aspen home, and then hit the road. 
back en route to Los Angeles, seeking out a new passage far away from their new enemies. Arc 7, Tower of Reckoning. Excuse me, I'm drinking Thai iced tea right now. The Neoscum are en route to Los Angeles. They're transporting a pod to be delivered upon their arrival. They have pursuers. The most dangerous is Pox's own father, Darius Pender. He is the owner of Forget, a megacorp based out of the UK. He has significant resources and is dedicated to returning Pox into his possession. The Neoscum determine that the safest way forward is through the Neo-New Mexico Technopolis, a wealthy technocratic utopia founded after the fall of the Silicon Valley. Border security for the nation is tight. The only way the Neoscum are able to get through is because Dak knows a guy, a guy by the name of Bog Metinraw. Years ago, Dak accepted Bog's invitation to participate in a dangerous motorsport within the Technopolis. Dak was going to do it, but then he got high. Now he's back to accept the invitation, ready to take part in what Bog calls the living race. As they enter the Technopolis, Pox recalls that her father does a lot of business within, so they aren't out of hot water yet. The crew arrives at where the race is to take place, the city that's as tall as a mountain, the 2.5-mile-high Fire Tower. They park Xanadu, get a hotel room, and proceed to have one of their wildest nights out yet. Faced with his impending mortality, Dak gets blitzed on an alcoholic chocolate syrup, performs an immaculate striptease to a crowded bar, has a threesome with two socialites, robs them, and then drunk dials Lil Marco. In a shocking moment of self-reflection, Dak apologizes to Lil Marco, but also reveals his location. Tech Wizard, still heartbroken over the breakup with Lala Pune, spends a cathartic night out with a gig economy therapist. At night's end, he calls his Nana and expresses his feelings of guilt over his parents' death when he was but a child. Nana consoles him and asks if he's heard the good news. Fagelin Moros, the man responsible for Tech's orphaning, has been assassinated. Meanwhile, Z has ID'd a storefront that has connections to Sons of Adam, the business he was told made him in his childhood and may be connected to the fractured memories he has of himself as a child soldier. He enters the storefront with Pox and is freely granted the following information. Z, non-clone, enhanced by clone physical memory. Father, Dortro Belmiffet. Mother, unknown. Raised shortly after birth. Trained in the Buri Ram, Thailand. From ages 8 to 20, ran a total of 10 tours. Deemed insufficient for further service. Reason given, weak mind, soft, post-traumatic stress. Mind emptied, lost in transit to Seattle. Eight months to one year life expectancy. It's a heavy night and not much rest is had. The next day, they meet with Bog Metinrol, who tells them the rules of the living race. Basically, it's a gladiator competition where two war machines piloted by two separate teams of 20 face off. After one team is wiped out, the surviving team splits in half and fights each other. Once that team is eliminated, the survivors are crowned the winners. Faced with those heavy odds, the crew take a side mission with Bog's sweet monster-hunting daughter, Marinway. The Neoscum go on an adventure into the man-made Redwood Forest on one of the tower's highest levels and do battle with some nasty elementals. Most notably, Dak uses an enchanted blade that he received in Denver, the Rat Bastard's Chris. With this blade, he speaks to rodents and makes them do his will. 
He wields this blade and defeats the Redwood Elementals, feeling the intense power of the Chris. Job well done, Dak. As Marinway leaves, Tech begs her to try and get her father to pull Dak out of the race. Maybe she can trick good old divorced Bog Mentenrol into thinking his ex is ready to take him back. Now that evening is upon them, the crew spend a few hours together readying Dak for the living race. If he dies, we die. Z plans on hacking his way in. Tech has a few buffs he's ready to blast into Dak. Fox is a little more hands-on, and as Dak is led into the green room for the living race, Pox sneaks in behind him. The living race is about to begin. Good luck. Arc 8, Death Trade. Oh boy. Let's see if we can get through this arc summary before I melt. On their way to Los Angeles, transporting a pod of clone parts and memories, the Neoscum take a side route through the New Mexico Technopolis to beat the heat. The heat being the long arm of Pox's father, Darius Pender. The damn dude owns the Forget Megacorp and has shown in the past he holds no scruples when it comes to hiring killers to take pot shots at the scum. Back to Xanadu. Unfortunately, the conditions of taking this side route is that Dak needs to take part in an extremely dangerous quote-unquote race. So this arc, taking place within the depths of the Technopolis's fire tower, is that very race. The Living Race. A brief recap on the rules of the Living Race. Two teams of 20 face off on two massive war machines in an arena of sand. Once one team is eliminated, the remaining racers split into two new teams and face off against each other. Those who survive, win. We begin with Dak getting some heavy buffs and elemental aid from Tech Wizard, and with Pox infiltrating the opposite team's war machine. Tech Wizard, zonked from so much spellcasting, slumps back to Z in the audience, who is attempting to hack his way into the arena. Dak meets some new friends, most notably Ronan Cumjumper, a mostly nude sex monk who Dak knows from back in the day. There's also Drake Garbage Boy, who becomes kind of an adopted son to Dak. Tragically, Dreek dies in Dak's arms. Still, Dak's team is winning, with their foe's war machine erupting in flames. Pox has a showdown in this burning vehicle with an armored freak known as the SG Killer. Somehow, this man knows who Pox is. Pox is brutally wounded by SG, but Dak comes to the rescue with a few bursts and ventilates the dude. Now Dak and Pox are reunited, and joining with Ronin Come Jumper, have decided they've had enough of this hellish race. They blast full speed to the center of the arena where bursts of flame spout from a deep pit. Meanwhile, Z has been unsuccessful hacking into the arena. However, he is able to glean some powerful intel from the crowd. The forget mercs in the arena have become alerted to Dak and Pox in the race and are about to move onto the field. What's more, Z IDs a high up forget dispatcher making her way out of the arena. Z rouses Tech Wizard and the two pursue her, hoping to get a control action spell on her before she does any more damage. Right before the spell is cast, Z recognizes this woman, Samantha Argyle, as someone who he encountered in his shadow running Seattle past. And then, blammo! Tech Wizard is now in the body of hoop earringed elf Samantha Argyle. Back to Dak, Pox, and Ronan Cumjumper, the crew burst through the pit of fire and fall one story below into an underground expanse. Z, TW, and TW inside the body of Samantha Argyle follow in an elevator from the arena. As the crew reunites, war is erupting in Denver over the Wob assassination of Fagel and Moros. 
Max has been pulled deeper into the Denver Technomancers and is working on a special team within the Cube Center. Also not so far away, Scott's private plane is destroyed by a dragon, and he finds himself stuck in a tree with Blister standing over him. Uh, yeah, sorry, Scarlet uh, popped out right there. I'm leaving that in because that sounded crazy. Okay, let's just take it back. Scott's private plane is destroyed by a dragon, and he finds himself stuck in a tree with Blister standing over him, knife at his throat. But that's far away. For now, it's time for the reunited scum to get their groove back, find a way to Xanadu, flee Fire Tower, and get back on the road to Los Angeles, back out of Darius Pender's reach. Good enough. Arc 9, Fire's Dungeon. The Neo-Scum flee the living race back to Xanadu, escaping Life Racers and Darius Pender's Forget Forces. Dak and Pox reunite with Zientac in the dungeons of the Fire Tower. There are two new faces joining the crew. The first is the blind and mostly nude sexual samurai, the Ronin Cumjumper. The second, Samantha Argyle, a hoop-earringed elven forget dispatcher. Tech Wizard is currently inhabiting her body, controlling her voice and movements, as his body lies passed out nearby. As the Neo-Scum plunge into the depths of fire sewers, a new condition is set for the surviving life racers. Find and kill Dak Rambo. They descend to his level, joined by several units of forget mercenaries. The Neo-Scum join up with a gang of sewer dwarves, one of whom, Lover, shows the Scum a secret passage to an elevator that will lead to the parking garage. On their way to this elevator, the Scum are accosted twice by life racers. Both times, Dak uses an enchanted blade, known as the Rat Bastard's Chris, to summon waves of rats to kill these assassins. Both times, the Chris demands a sacrifice. Both times, Dak offers up one of his own pinky fingers. The crew's getting worried about Dak's reliance on this magical dagger. The crew find the elevator. Before it, one of the mightiest life racers, Pedro Galonzo. Her face is painted in white war paint, and she wields a blade of sunlight. Ronan Cumjumper goes forward and slays Paydu. Her last words, tell the Moab Lich, I am done. Pox takes a smooth stone off of Paydu's body. The crew take the elevator upstairs, leaving Fire's dungeon in the rear. Once in the parking garage, they locate Xanadu, as well as six guards surveilling its perimeter. Z, Dak, and Cumjumper make quick work of these lackeys, and now Xanadu is theirs. As this bloodshed takes place, Tech Wizard, in the body of Samantha Argyle, makes a call to Darius Pender. On the call, Tech, via Samantha, convinces Darius to meet her for a one-on-one meeting in Phoenix, Arizona, citing danger to her own life within Forget. Shockingly, Darius agrees and says to meet him in Phoenix tomorrow. Tech, as Samantha, hangs up the phone. Both Tech Wizard and Pox are stunned. This could be Pox's biggest chance yet for the vengeance she's been dreaming of. Meanwhile, Lone Star forces bomb the Denver Cube in retaliation for the Wob assassination of Fagel and Moros. Scott, horny little CFO Scott, is delivered to a dragon cultist altar high in the Rocky Mountains. The mountain dragon unspurls in the sky and rides on to defend Denver. Max awakens among a strange Technomancer army, moving through the ghoul tunnels beneath the cube as the Technomancers plan a retaliation of their own. 
Now that the crew has Xanadu back, they just gotta make it out of Fire Tower and shake their pursuers. From there, potentially, to Phoenix to meet Darius. And then gunning it to Los Angeles with this increasingly tantalizing pot of clone parts and memories ready for delivery. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to step on the gas. Vroom, vroom, moving out of park into drive. Smelling that exhaust. That's me smelling it. Ooh, I love it, the smell of that. Arc 10, Killer's Cross. Okay, whew, arc recap, this one's big. <sighs> the Neo Scum make their triumphant escape from the fire tower and plunge deeper into the Neo New Mexico Technopolis. A meeting has been set in Phoenix, Arizona. Tech Wizard, in the body of Samantha Argyle, has convinced Darius Pender to meet for a one on one meeting. This could be Pox's opportunity to strike back at her father after all the harm he's inflicted on her and her friends. There are some bumps along the way. On the way out of Fire Tower, the Neo Scum are accosted by a real knuckle-butt fuckhead nobody of a guy by the name of Bob Flenderson. Shout out, by the way, to JPC, who provided that description of Bob in an email to me where he pitched the character. So Bob tells the crew that he woke up wearing a bomb vest and these glasses on his face that are giving him instructions from a Shadowrunner named Ghost Lord. Ghost Lord commanded Bob to get close to the Neo Scum and force them, with his bomb proximity, to travel to Ghost Lord's jet out in the deserts of the Technopolis Outlaw Highways, known as Crange Cross. There, the Neoscum would be taken to the UK, and Ghost Lord would collect on Pox's father's bounty. If anything funky goes down, Bob says that this vest will detonate, killing everyone. So, given that, the Neoscum don't have much of a choice but to agree to the terms. On the way out of the fire tower, Xanadu runs over the last surviving members of the living race. Little do they know, but that means that Dak actually won. He won the living race. Nice job, man. A cutaway shows a shadowy organization of Technopolis movers and shakers discussing selling the clone memories of the dead living racers to contractors fighting over in the Denver Cube. More on that later, maybe. But back to the scum, cruising the freeways of Crange Cross. After some fraught truck conflict, the Ronin Cumjumper makes a noble sacrifice to save the Neo-Scum. In the truck's trailer, he slices off Bob's vest and leaps into the road, exploding, leaving behind his eye covering and sweet memories. With the bomb taken care of, the crew drop Bob off at the rest stop with the ATV they picked up from Scott back when they were crossing through the Rocky Mountains. It was just a couple of days ago, but I think we recorded it literally years ago. Anyway, as Xanadu drives away, Bob picks up the glasses and sends a message to somebody, saying, I think they're going to Phoenix. Is Bob the man he claimed he was? Meanwhile, Xanadu is gunning to Phoenix. The crew take a moment to acknowledge the heaviness of their travels. A pinkyless Dak Rambo admits that he's bit off a little more than he can chew at the rat bastard's Chris. He turns to Pox and asks if she can hide it from him. Pox agrees, and while Dak isn't looking, she chucks the dagger out of the window of the moving vehicle. Goodbye, rat bastard's Chris. Tech Wizard takes a moment to commune with Samantha Argyle's mind in the depths of his own mind palace. Though Samantha is furious that Tech has control over her body and she does not, she promises that if the Neoscum can keep her alive, she will help them as much as she can. She also takes a moment to level with Tech Wizard. 
she can connect to his mind the same way that he can connect to hers. And she can see that Tech needs to come to grips with his feelings about Faglin Moros, the man responsible for Tech's orphaning, a man who has recently been killed. So anyway, the Neoscum arrive in Phoenix and, through an old contact of Z's, visit a street doctor. It's a good outing for everybody. Z gets to see his old pal, Pox gets her living race wounds stitched up, and Dak gets stylish new prosthetic pinkies that are like, they're like those pens with the sexy ladies on them that when you turn them, their clothes disappear. So, you know, these pinkies aren't like super high tech, but they're very erotic. Finally, 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 the time has crumb. The time has crumb. The time has crumb. Finally, the time has come. The crew must face Pox's father. They park Xanadu by an abandoned copper factory, disguise themselves in zoot suits, and walk over. They enter the city of Phoenix. Mortal towers dome around them in black rainbow adobe. They arrive at the building. It says forget on it. Green, two-storied, shaped like a burial mound. The crew get into position. Dak takes Tech Wizard's body to the 10th floor of an office tower overlooking the meeting spot. Once at a window, Dak readies his sniper rifle and prepares to find his shot. Z and a camo jacket draped invisible pox move incognito to a restaurant patio, looking over at the building, ready to run inside once the opportunity presents itself. Tech, as Samantha Argyle, walks into the building to meet Darius Pender, finally, wearing Z's ocular drone disguised as a brooch. She climbs to the second floor and hears Darius's voice calling her into one of the meeting rooms. She follows the voice. She enters the meeting room. Inside, he lunges at her with a blade in his hand. He sneers. Why don't you just tell Pox to come over? 